Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I'm Courtney Eck. And we are your hosts, and we are sisters. Sure shit are. (laughs) Uh, Courtney's going to do the case tonight, and I really don't know anything about it. I think that there are Nazis. Nazis? (laughs) Took my voice away. (laughs) Scared scared of Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) Nazis? Nazis. Uh, I don't. I think it's new Nazis, not the old ones. But yes. I could be wrong. <laughs> you are correct. Okay, good. Fresh off the Nazi train, <laughs> otherwise known as neo Nazis. Yeah, it's it's pretty much a bummer that we have to wonder if it's new or old mm-hmm. Nazis. Good point. But yep. anyway, I think you should just jump right in. You got it, girl. Uh, this story is about a neo Nazi named Jeffrey Russell Hall. Jeffrey Russell Hall was born November 21st, 1978, and was a plumber in Riverside, California. His first wife was Letitia Neal, and they had two children, Joseph and Shirley. Oh, my God. I know. Shirley? Shirley. That's so cute. Yeah. Way underused name. Way underutilized. Joseph was born on June 19th, 2000. Jeff and Letitia divorced soon after, and Neal had twins by another father. In 2003... The twins were hospitalized for failure to thrive, resulting in Child Protective Services removing all of the children from the home as well. So the children she'd had with Jeffrey Hall and her twins. Social workers reported that Neil's home had, quote, no electricity or gas, that there were maggots on dishes, and that the children were dirty, malnourished, and had bruises. Oh, no. I know. At the time, Jeff was on probation for driving under the influence, and so his two children were temporarily placed with their grandmother. In 2004, however, Jeff was able to gain full custody of his children. After the downturn in the construction industry, Jeff had serious trouble finding steady work. Reports say that Jeff didn't try very hard to find new work as he relied (laughs) on public assistance for groceries and lived in a house that his mother owned. Uh Uh-oh. So, instead of trying harder to find work, he began preaching the theory that Jews and other non-whites were responsible for the struggling industry. I'm sorry. Yeah. What a, <laughs> what a convenient excuse. Like, I can't find a job because of Jews and non-whites. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Man. Yep. His sister-in-law was also killed in a hit-and-run accident in 2007, and Jeff was convinced the other driver had been an illegal immigrant from Mexico. Um, not that it matters, but 
like is that did he just make that up or was there i don't think there's any proof that it was he just decided yeah that that was the story he'd tell yeah i mean i don't know if you know this about uh neo-nazis and other hate (laughs) groups but you sort of like to bend Mm -hmm. bend the truth to their Mm -hmm. will so Mm -hmm. okay i I understand that yeah yeah i don't like this guy oh just wait yeah uh jeff also claimed that his daughter was bullied by a group of latino students at school all of these incidents drove jeff to his first extremist anti-immigration group save our state in 2007 it's unclear exactly when but sometime between 2007 and 2009 jeff joined a new anti-immigration group known as the national socialist movement or nsm Mm mm-hmm The NSM was founded in St. Paul in 1974 by, quote, former deputies of George Lincoln Rockwell, the creator of the American Nazi Party, who'd been assassinated by a former member in 1967. So already off to a strong start. (laughs) The NSM was committed to emulating the original Nazi Party through wearing German Nazi uniforms, as well as adopting their original symbology and command structure. And you said it started in the 60s? Uh, 74. 74. The, yeah, the, the American Nazi Party. So they brought that okay. treasure mm-hmm. over from Germany in 67. Okay. Yep. And then, and then former, yep, former okay. deputies, the guy who founded the American Nazi Party, started the NSM. They wanted to honor and preserve the authenticity of the original political party turned hate group as much as possible. Quote, they didn't just take a couple drops of the extract they dumped the whole bottle in there. Oh, God. Yeah. To this day, members proudly don the uniforms of the brown shirts, the parliamentary wing of the German Nazi party. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the group that you see a lot of the pictures of. Bingo. In, in the media now. Yeah. 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 The ones that send chills down your spine because mm-hmm. what the fuck? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's them. That's the caption. Of yeah. the photo. <laughs> Seriously. Like many hate groups, the NSM targets young members through their Viking Youth Corps, aimed at 14 to 17-year-olds, which has been called a sort of neo-Nazi Boy Scouts. Oh, God. I was Fun. Gonna say, it sounds cool, but I bet it's not cool. <laughs> no. Nope. No. They also have their own record label and release white power rock by groups like Racially Provoked Attack, whose songs include Jew Motherfucker oh, God. and Waste of a Bullet. Oh, no. I mean, we sang Waste of a Bullet at our camp when we were kids. <laughs> Waste of a Bullet, round and right? Oh, right? No. no. Fucking awful. No. Right. Like, let's bring Kumbaya back. Uh, yeah. The site's promo for a group called Mass Destruction announces that its album is, quote, brutal, angry, and aggressive, and, quote, will hit your eardrums like two shotgun blasts to the chest at close range. Oh, God. It's like, I, that's what I thought when I listened to the new Fiona Apple record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the area of California where Jeff lived is referred to as the Inland Empire and offers overwhelmingly low-wage jobs in warehousing, service, and manufacturing, which makes it a hotbed for hate groups. Quote, with white supremacist groups, if you look at it over the last 20 years, Southern California has been like a -a whack-a-mole, said Brian Levin, the director of the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University, San Bernardino. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, you just wouldn't 
think of Southern California as a hotbed. Well, and like I lived in San Diego for two years and oh yeah, neo-Nazis and Nazis and skinheads were fucking everywhere. Like you'd go to a bar and the girls with the little front bangs, like the shaved head with mm-hmm. the front bangs and stuff actually mm-hmm. ended up in a bathroom at a bar with a little skinhead who's who like another hate group was trying to kick her ass and I had to like sneak her out the back. So <laughs> she was... <laughs> So yeah, it's, uh, you know, and I think it's the um, prominence of brown people, honestly, you know, right at the border. Right. It's the population is largely Latino and, you know, white people get real bent out of shape about it. Mm -hmm. So he also said, quote, and Riverside and San Bernardino counties are particularly active. The rise in white supremacy in the area can be attributed to an unemployment rate of 15%. And yeah. And, quote, rapid changes in the ethnic makeup of the region. Mm-hmm. Even though it was Mexico, you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> Jeff quickly rose in the ranks in the organization and began leading rallies, often targeting sites where day laborers would gather to look for work, like Home Depot parking lots and things like that, and bringing groups to patrol the border to look for illegal immigrants trying to enter the United States. God, that's so scary. It's so scary. Like a border patrol is one thing, you know, not yeah. a fan, but then you've got roaming groups of neo-Nazis like that. Yes. Terrifying. Um, yeah. Jeff's name first started to appear on the NSM website in 2009, which coincided with, can you guess what? Uh, Trump. Obama. Close. Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what year we were in. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Trust me. Trump. Trump's been Trump forever. He's... Mm-hmm. Quote, for extremists, Levin said, Obama is the poster guy for the horrible demographic change that is taking place. Mm-hmm. In October 2009, Hall staged a rally for the National Socialist Movement near a day laborer site in Riverside. They wore World War II era Nazi garb and Hall said, quote, they're proud of who they are, tired of the white guilt being shoved down their kids and multiculturalism. They can't see any reason for it. <sighs> yeah, man. In 2010, Jeff won about a third of the vote when he ran for a seat on the board for the Western Municipal Water District. He ran as a white supremacist. Oh, no. He got a third of the vote. Uh, Yeah, that uh, fucks me up. (laughs) In California, Yes, We're still in California. Yes, like the Riverside area. That's really shocking. Yeah, I was totally shocked. Like, makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Because it's one thing to get a seat on the board of the water district, which I don't like that. But then what next? You know, it freaks Mm. me out. Mm -hmm. A third of the vote. No. As a white supremacist. Right. I mean, hopefully the whole vote was like 10 people or something. (laughs) Good point. That's a good point. People just bum rushing the election, the poll sites to vote for the water board. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Freaks me out. A 60 Minutes feature showed members of the group singing Happy Birthday to You in Hall's living room. They ended the song in the most celebratory way with a Nazi salute. Uh, I was afraid of that. Yep. The same video showed a uniformed Hall who had a cross and rose tattoo on the back of his shaved head, which I don't think is Nazi. I looked it up and it's just like, it's mostly just women that have that tattoo. (laughs) But anyway, he's got a big cross and rose tattooed on the back of his head. He was talking to a group as three large swastika signs towered behind him. This isn't dress up. This isn't a game, Hall told them. We're fighting for our children's future. And his kids are still with him? Yes. Oh, 
Good. I'm yeah. So happy to hear that. Yeah. Well, here here's some more information that's going to make you so happy that he's a full-time father. In 2011, Jeff was followed around by Julie Plattner, a freelance photographer who was shooting a documentary about him. One thing that stands out in the footage is Jeff explaining that he'd been bringing his nine-year-old son, Joseph, to the border with him for armed missions, quote, to defend our nation from the invasion from Mexico. No. Yep. Jeff was proud of Joseph and said that, quote, by the age of nine, my son was able to operate a Gen 1 night vision and infrared scope. He became emotional recounting their time at the border and the target practice he gave him while they were there. Quote, at the age of nine, my son's out at the border. Yeah. Deeply inappropriate, dude. Yeah. No. No. I I don't even, I just can't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's awful. It's fucking awful. On April 30th, 2011, a reporter from the New York Times was in Hall's home interviewing him and members of his group. She also spoke to Joseph, who was proud of a leather belt he was wearing that was emblazoned with the silver insignia of the Nazi SS. It had been a gift from his father. Mm. Joseph was captured under an enormous American flag hanging from the ceiling of their suburban home with a black swastika framed by the letters USA and NSM on it. Jeff was holding a monthly meeting of the NSM at their home that afternoon. Quote, You guys get your glocks cocked and ready to rock, Jeff shouted to his recruits who were arranged in chairs and on the couch in the room. Quote, We're going to the border. Jeff was huge and animated as he talked about the end of all non-white immigration, quote, by force if necessary. I'm over here like gripping my chair. I know. I gotta chill out. I'm (laughs) really stressed out. This is so stressful. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. His little, here. <laughs> yeah, his little son can be seen with his head bowed while his father talks, quote, intent on winding a kite string around a green oh, plastic handle. Oh, my God. Yeah. Twelve hours later, Jeff Hall fell asleep on the couch, passed out from a whiskey bender. Someone entered the living room where he was sleeping near the huge American flag, took aim just behind Jeff's ear, and fired a Rossi three fifty seven Magnum into his head, killing him. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was not expecting Bet that. Bet you didn't see that coming. <laughs> Guess what else you're not going to see coming? The person holding the gun was uh, Jeff's 10-year-old son, oh, Joseph. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You thought Joseph was going to get killed or some around people were going to get killed uh, yeah, something yeah Whoa. yeah <laughs> nope <laughs> so um i want to cite some sources before i move forward because i lean heavily on two articles for the whole for the whole story but especially moving forward one article i got a ton of information from was i shot dad the tragic case of a child who killed his abusive neo-nazi father and that was written by christine phillips for the washington post And another article is called A Very Dangerous Boy by Amy Wallace that was written for GQ magazine. Um, And she was actually at the trial. So I use a lot of her reporting because it's just really beautiful. So Joseph was described as a difficult kid since entering the world. He was expelled from school multiple times and his offenses included choking, biting, scratching, hitting, kicking, headbutting, and stabbing with sharp objects. Mm, Poor kid. Poor kid. His paternal grandmother said that she couldn't babysit him and, quote, he was just too much. 
Joseph's life doesn't sound like a very loving, caring, or happy one. His parents married two weeks after his birth and were only together for around two years. Jeff then married his second wife, Krista, and worked low-paying jobs. He became a plumber at 25, which pulled in about $400 a week before taxes, but he and Krista eventually had three more daughters, making money and resources scarce for the family. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. Plus, and remind me, Joseph has a sister, sister, and then there's three more. I think so, yeah. I had okay, to reread t- it several times. There's definitely four kids, I think five kids. Okay, but the yeah. twins were are, not his and are not with them. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So plenty of kids. Yes. Yes. Especially for, you know, $1,200 a month. Right. Right. Jeff claimed that when Joseph and his sister Shirley visited their mother who had joint custody, they would return malnourished and, quote, filled with rage. Oh, God. In a June 2002 filing, Jeff told how his son, then two, quote, was always in attack mode. He would attack other children and be abusive toward everyone. He was unruly and absolutely impossible to control. Um, I'm just going to say that that's not a normal behavior for a two-year-old. I mean, they can be pretty crazy. Your kid's a a monster. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) There's nobody cuter than a two-year-old. I can't. I just can't imagine what that poor kid had to go through to be filled with rage. And on alert and the adrenaline and the stress. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is that doing to that baby's brain? Yes. Jeff would later claim that Joseph had been sexually abused by his mother's boyfriend. Joseph claims not to remember any abuse, but psychiatrists would conclude that his behavior was very much in line with someone who had been sexually abused. Yeah. Those same experts would report that Joseph's diagnoses, uh, which were attention deficit disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, conduct disorder, and a variety of learning disabilities were a result of drug and alcohol abuse in utero, as well as abuse and neglect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In return, Joseph's mother claimed that Jeff, quote, has an alcohol and drug problem and a bad temper and anger problem as well. The child? Uh, No, the father. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. I was like, come on, you guys. (laughs) Partying. I mean, he's hanging out at the border, doing Mm -hmm. meth. Um. Jeff, she wrote, quote, is currently president of the neo-Nazi group, and I'm really scared of what will happen to my kids. Yeah. I wouldn't like it if they, like, were allowed to ride a bike without a helmet, let alone right. patrol the border, <laughs> right? border with a fucking night scope or whatever. Yeah. Jeff was addicted to drugs, including methamphetamine, and was often violent toward his wife and children, especially Joseph, according to court records. Despite this, the court gave Jeff sole custody of the kids. His stepmother, Krista, reported that Jeff, quote, punished his son every day for being too loud and for getting in his way, sometimes by punching and kicking him several times in the back. Mm. That little baby. It's, ugh, gives me chills. I know. I, yeah. I, I know. That's unfathomable. Unfathomable. Yeah. No. At some point before Joseph killed his father, he watched an episode of Law and Order SVU in which a boy kills his abusive stepdad and receives no punishment. Quote, nothing happened. He told the truth. He wasn't arrested or anything. When questioned by a detective about whether the show had an influence on his decision to shoot Jeff, he said yes. And quote, 
the exact same thing could maybe happen to him. Mm. Jeff, he's, he's 10. He's 10. He's a baby. So Jeff was also having an affair and Joseph knew about it. Quote, he's been on the phone a lot, texting a lot when mom isn't around. His wife, Krista, was also aware of the affair. And in the hours before Jeff died, he sent her a string of texts. Quote, you're a bitch. Pick up your shit. We are over, said one. Fuck it. I'm not coming home, whore, said another. A third said, I'm divorcing you. Before Jeff fell asleep on the couch for the last time, phone records showed he had a lengthy conversation with his girlfriend, Sam, who lived in Arizona. Hmm. I know. Imagine knowing that your father was having an affair when you're nine years old. Mm-hmm. According to his stepmother, Joseph told her, quote, I shot dad after the murder occurred, and he admitted what he'd done to detectives when they arrived. Mm, buddy. I know. In the video of his confession, Joseph is wearing jean shorts and a black t-shirt that said, video games versus homework. (laughs) His little toes poked out of his sneakers because they were so worn, and his hair was crooked because he'd cut it himself. When the detective asked Joseph if he knew the difference between right and wrong, he said yes. The detective asked for an example of the difference between right and wrong. Well, he responded, dry-eyed and matter-of-fact, I shot my dad. Joseph claimed that his father had threatened to kill the family. Quote, he said he was going to turn off the smoke alarms and burn the whole house down when we were asleep. That really scared me. I know. Speaking with a slight lisp, Joseph said his dad had recently thrown a glass in Krista's face, cutting her. He said he was afraid dad was going to do something that would make mom go away. Mm-hmm. Joseph called his stepmother mom, and he hadn't seen his real mom in more than six years. Quote, I don't want my mom to leave, he said of Krista. Dad was kind of mean, so I thought maybe it would be him to leave. He said he acted on impulse when he retrieved the gun and found his father sleeping in the living room. Quote, I wasn't really thinking about if he was going to die or get unconscious, he said. I just thought maybe he might learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get him to know how I feel when I get hurt. Oh, God. Then maybe we could go back to being friends and start all over. I know. I mean, but it's really, he's 10. There isn't, there's no life or death understanding at 10. Also, when you're developmentally delayed and have learning disabilities. Terrible abuse. Yes. PTSD. Yes. And you know that, you know, this is how your dad gets people to do things for him Mm -hmm. is through violence and with weapons. It's like. All right, well, if I do this, then dad will learn a lesson and we can start over and things will be better. He'll know that I don't want to be treated this way anymore. It's fucking heartbreaking. Yes. No, I'm pretty devastated (laughs) over here. Oh, it gets better. (laughs) Oh, God, no. At one point in the interview, he said to Krista, I just think I'm going to miss dad, kind of, if he's dead. If he's dead. I know. At another point, he asked the officers who'd arrived on the scene, quote, how many lives do people usually get? No. Yeah. If that's not the most innocent, like, juvenile, mm-hmm. just sweetest. Ugh. Video game. Yes. You know, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Video games versus homework, man. Yeah. yeah. He chose He chose video games, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. So Joseph was arrested and sent to juvenile hall to await trial. 
When he got to the facility, they replaced his ruined sneakers with a new pair, and the prosecutor said, quote, he was so happy he wanted to know, can I take them home when I leave? <sighs> yeah. Angel. Joseph's public defender said that he got his first ever taste of stability in juvenile hall. Quote, for the first time in his life, he had three squares. Nobody was beating the crap out of him. Nothing smelled bad, and he was going to school. Hard. Oh, my God. Yeah. When Joseph was arrested, he was flunking the fourth grade. Less than two years later, he was finishing the seventh grade, according to his attorney. Wow. I know. But what a testament to how bad his life was. Yeah. If by putting him in... Juvenile, juvenile hall. Yeah, that he thrives. Yeah, exactly. That's... And just what is, like, nature versus nurture, you know? Yeah. Like, I definitely believe that some people just come out evil and there's no fixing them. But yeah, this the kid, opposite is true also. Absolutely. Like the kid just has an opportunity to not be terrorized. Yeah. 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 There's nothing wrong with this kid. If he hadn't had a mom who did drugs in utero and a fucking Nazi psycho, violent, awful beater of a father, this kid would have been just fine. Mm -hmm. Even with those things, this kid could be just fine. So, I mean, taken out of that environment. Right. Joseph did get into his fair share of trouble. Uh, he threatened other inmates by saying things like, quote, well, I'll just wait for you to go to sleep and I'll kill you. Oh, my God. <laughs> fair enough, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah don't tempt him. Mm -mm. He used the words bitches and the N-word to describe other kids in PE and threaten them with violence. He also started a, quote, hate list that included, quote, people he was going to kill when he got out. Stuff so, as nails over I there. know. <laughs> well, and you know that, like, other kids were oh, yeah, teach, sure. teaching him that shit, the bigger kids. Seven months after Joseph killed his father, he told an officer at the detention center that Krista had told him to do it. Joseph's lawyer believes that to this day, quote, no one had a stronger motive to kill Jeff than Krista, he said in court. Noting that the morning Jeff was shot, Krista at first told the police, quote, I killed him. Whoa. Yeah. She claimed that she was just trying to protect Joseph when she said that, and she actually had nothing to do with Jeff's death. But Joseph's attorney said, quote, she exploited a frightened, damaged child who clung to her because he was more maternal, more paternal than anyone else in his life. She used this young man to pull the trigger. That's so sad yeah and i i kind of don't believe it i don't know i don't know anything about krista not a damn thing but it does seem like she was the only person in his life other than his grandmother that like gave a shit you know mm -hmm. um and was she there she was asleep he was she was she was in the house correct yeah okay um jeff was on the couch and she was in her right. bed yeah okay 18 months after joseph entered juvenile hall his trial began Despite the medications he took for his behavioral issues, which suppressed his appetite, he showed up to court 16 pounds heavier and had grown four inches. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of thriving and... Right. You know, yeah, feed the kid. Feed the kid. Yeah. Quote, his hair stuck to his head in a way that suggested he tried to comb it to look presentable. He kept adjusting a pair of rectangular eyeglasses. Oh, <laughs> Can I bring him home? I love him so much. He's <laughs> just a little dumpling. I mean, he can come to my house and call me a bitch if he needs to, because <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I know it. 
Chief District Attorney Mike Socchio opened by saying that Jeff Hall's belief system, quote, makes everybody react viscerally on a deep level in a judgmental way. That's a fucking understatement if you ask Mm -hmm. me, but uh, he went on to say, quote, Joseph would have shot his father even if he'd been a member of the Peace and Freedom Party. The truth of the matter is simple. Joseph Hall decided to kill his father for a selfish reason. He's no different than any murderer. No. I mean, the fact that he's he has a trial in the first place they, that I know. they're putting him through this is I know. disgusting. I know. Well, yeah, it sucks. It sucks that he waited for his father to fall asleep to do it. If he had done mm-hmm. it with his father was awake and raging, mm-hmm. like there wouldn't have been any kind of Question. case. It would have been self-defense. No, it would totally been right. self-defense, even though it was self-defense. Yeah, it was premeditated. And so that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Joseph's defense countered by saying, quote, Joseph Hall, for his own reasons, decided to kill his father, to protect himself and his family, to stop the violence, and to be a hero. His defense acknowledged that the case was not about Jeff's beliefs, but that Nazism had to be taken into account when assessing the crime. Quote, in terms of how this young man who was born with these problems was conditioned, it is very important, Hardy told Superior Court Judge Gene P. Leonard. Um, just a side note, there's no jury in criminal cases against minors. So just the judge decides. Oh. Yep. Quote, how do kids learn what's right or wrong? They do it by bouncing off of their parents. Who was his role model? His father. And I'm going to use a lot of Amy Wallace's article moving forward because it's just really beautifully written. And she was also at the trial. So I'm going to lean on her pretty hard moving forward. Uh, Amy Wallace reported for GQ, quote, throughout all of this, Joseph's thin face registered blank as if he were somewhere else. When his lawyer cautioned that he shouldn't speak unless the judge asked him to, Joseph nodded his head politely like he was learning the rules to an interesting new game. But mostly he stared straight ahead, his hands clasped before him, his affect flat. She also reported, quote, I was thinking what a terrible hand Joseph had been dealt an officer would testify that just minutes after the killing, Joseph asked, quote, do people get more than one life? Whether he was asking on his father's behalf or his own, the question was wrenching. Joseph's one life had been unspeakably bleak, but he seemed to be wishing for a do-over. I pitied him. Mm. I know. <sighs> also reported, quote, later when I told Sokio this, I think that's how you say his name, Sokio, Sokio, the prosecutor said he'd heard it before. When he first got the case, he'd taken a beating online from people who said to try Joseph was to blame the victim. Mm-hmm. When a few of these people called Sokio's office, he recalls, quote, I said, look, if you'd like, I'll see if the court can release him into your custody tonight. <laughs> I said, I don't think you ought to sleep too soundly and don't piss him off. But you're, if you really think everything's okay, here, take him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fair point. Yeah. I agree with the people, but also I might want to like wait and see how things pan out before Mm -hmm. I take a daddy murderer into my house. Yeah. Sokio's comments went to the heart of the trouble with Joseph. He'd endured awfulness that no child should. But despite that, and because of it, it was naive to think he had emerged unscathed. But this case wasn't really about who to blame. It was about what to do, what to do with Joseph. Uh, The case centered around the various motivations for killing his father. Did an atmosphere of hate drive Joseph to kill? Did his stepmother? Or was it his childish misreading of a TV show? 
or a complicated amalgam of factors tangled together in a damaged brain? Was Joseph confused or deranged, a victim or victimizer? Had he simply changed his story and implicated Krista because he was tired of being locked up? Or did he finally find the strength to tell the truth months after the killing because he was no longer under her sway? And that was all like verbatim from Amy's article. I wish I could use a word like amalgam that (laughs) seamlessly, but I can't take credit for it. I tried to rewrite it and I was like, nah, this is way better. Mm -hmm. Um, Judge Leonard mainly focused on one question. Did Joseph know when he killed his father what he was doing was wrong? Joseph's lawyer claimed that his mother's in utero drug use paired with abuse and neglect resulted in brain damage and developmental delays, which impaired his ability to discern right from wrong. The judge was not persuaded, unfortunately. And in January, she found him guilty of secondary murder. Wow. I know. Quote, this was not a naive little boy unaware of the ways of the world. The miner has made trips to the border, shotguns, and knew about hate, the judge said. But on this particular night, there was no screaming or yelling between father and son as there usually was. Father was on the couch asleep. He was abused and he was neglected from the womb forward, she said, and this had to have had an effect on his thought process. His father's fascination with the NSM affected the miner and taught him things that children do not normally think about. He learned that if you hit me, I will hit you, or as the miner said, and here the judge quoted from a police interview with Joseph, quote, if you want to kill somebody, you shoot them in the head. Still, she noted, Joseph had told a psych evaluator that his father forbade Joseph to point even toy guns at people. Quote, I wish I could tell you that this case represents the worst physical and emotional abuse I've ever seen, the judge said. Sadly, it does not. It was reported that Joseph listened to the judge's ruling without tears or registering of any emotion. If he'd been an adult, his sentence would be 40 years to life in prison, but because he was a minor, the state could only hold him until he was 23. The big question was where was appropriate place to hold him? Was prison the right place for the abused boy? a psychiatric hospital, or group home for troubled youth. His defense attorney was adamant that a state-run juvenile facility was a terrible option for the young boy. Quote, you put that kid in the DJJ, you may be creating a serial killer. Right. Yep. Yes. He also noted that Joseph would be the youngest person in DJJ custody. Quote, this kid needs treatment. Uh, And the prosecutor actually agreed. Quote, I've known since the day I met him that he's coming home, so we have a real situation, he said soon after the judge's ruling. We all have a huge role to play in this one. After court was dismissed, the prosecutor asked the defense attorney if he could do something he'd never done before. Oh, this part makes me cry a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wanted to reassure Joseph that the proceedings and corresponding ruling weren't personal. So this is the prosecutor. Wow. Quote, I told him I didn't want him to think I didn't like him. I I wanted him to know that if he ever wanted anything from me, if I could ever help him, I would. And I also told him, quote, you're going to be in some places now that people are going to want you to be tough and you've got to try to resist the worst part of being tough. I mean, he does have to hold his own, but depending on where the court puts him, he's either going to be a predator or prey. 
So I struggle with that because like the prosecutor in most cases are the ones that can choose what to do. And he chose to put him in this position. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think, I think it's a tricky case, you know, because he Mm -hmm. did kill his father essentially in cold blood. Like he had plenty of motivation to do so, Yeah, but it's not, you know, there still has to be a trial, even a case of self-defense, there has to be a trial. So he was doing his job. Right. Essentially. Um, and the judge was doing her job and they have to follow the rule of law to a certain extent. And, but then to like do that, I don't know, it just feels mm-hmm. really sweet. It's, it is very sweet. And he is. was also advocating for him to go to a facility and I took it out cause mm-hmm. it was a little confusing, but there was, um, I don't think it was a psychiatric hospital, but it was more of like a group home facility. That's what it was, where psychiatrists did approve him for a stay at this facility. And the prosecutor and the defense attorney were like jumping for joy. They're like, this place is perfect Mm -hmm. for him. Please, please, please send him here. Um, Because I do think it's appropriate for this kid to go somewhere. He's got, you know, serious fucking problems. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm wishing is that there was a, not for him to just like go back to where he came from or wherever, but yeah, I'm just, I think I'm feeling worried about where the judge is going to put him. Yeah. (laughs) So I wish that there was a way for the defense and the prosecution to come to an agreement. Like, let's just decide that this is his punishment. And I I know that's not how it works. Yeah, I agree. Anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's... It's the judge's job. Mm -hmm. So while Joseph awaited sentencing, he began to thrive. He was on the honor roll at juvie, doing algebra, playing sports, and reading books about Italy because his lawyer said he was interested in the churches there. (laughs) His paternal grandmother, who was very supportive and very uh, involved and available during the trial, claims it's the structure of the facility that helped him grow in positive ways. Mm -hmm. Quote, Joseph needs that, Joanne Becker said. Jeff and Krista couldn't provide that, and if they tried to send him to me, I couldn't do it either. When asked why she couldn't handle him, she said discipline, and if necessary, a show of force. Quote, knowing someone has a can of pepper spray establishes boundaries, Joanne said, (laughs) referring to the guards in juvie. Right. Uh, I don't have pepper spray. (laughs) Could have just got one of those water bottles that you get the cats off the counter with. (laughs) Nope. Stop stabbing with sharp objects. Uh, Months passed and Joseph turned 13. He was finally given a sentence of 40 years to life, which is a technicality. Joseph will spend at least the next seven years in a state juvenile facility where he will be the youngest inmate. Oh, this is, that was a quote. When he is 20, he will be eligible for a hearing that could initiate parole proceedings and potentially he will then win his freedom and rejoin society. At most, barring any future legal maneuvering, he will serve 10 more years. Judge Leonard said, quote, I know some will be sad about my decision and there may be some tears. It was reported that once again, though, Joseph didn't cry when he heard the ruling. You know. Uh, Since the conviction, Joseph's case has become the focus of many child advocates and politicians who think the conviction was flawed. Mm -hmm. They argue that Joseph's developmental disabilities would prevent him from understanding what he'd done was wrong or what it meant to give up his Miranda rights during police interrogation. Yeah. 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 Did he, he didn't have a lawyer with him or? I don't know. But even just being Mirandized, like you don't, yeah. you know, like we know what that means that we have 
the rights right. or whatever. Like but barely, but yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> no, we, yeah, yeah. Both of these issues are now the subject to proposed legislation in California. Well, at the time of the reporting, uh, they were both the subject of proposed legislation in California, as well as a pending appeal to the nation's highest court. Quote, there's not a 10-year-old on the planet who ought to be in a position of waiving a constitutional right without advice from an adult, said Scott Ballinger, a part of Joseph's legal team, which has asked the U.S. Supreme Court to review Joseph's appeal after it was denied by the California courts. Yep. Uh, Five years after Hall's death, Joseph's case prompted California legislators to introduce a bill that would provide children with some layer of protection from police interrogation. Unlike some states, California doesn't have a law that requires young children to receive legal guidance from an attorney or guardian before they're interrogated, which is fucking crazy. Yeah, that's bonkers. That's bonkers. A 10-year-old. Like, yeah. Why? Yeah. I, I know. Oh, wow. So inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, we have to update our laws to be realistic, to be sure that children have protection before they're aggressively interrogated. The bill's author, Senator Ricardo Laura, told the Washington Post, quote, young people don't grasp what they're agreeing to. Right. Yeah. I mean, it seems so clear. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. I was shocked. I was shocked, yeah. especially California of all places. Like I could see in Texas, they'd be like, you're on your own, son. Toughen mm-hmm. up and talk to the guys. That's but right. California. So... Yeah, I looked up the bill, and as of September 30th, 2016, um, the bill passed both houses of the California state legislature. However, Governor Brown returned the SB 1052 without his signature, preventing it from becoming a law. I'm closing my eyes and my head. (laughs) (laughs) He said, uh, although recognizing that minors, quote, are more vulnerable than adults and easily succumb to police pressure to talk instead of remaining silent, Governor Brown found the potential effects on law enforcement efforts required further investigation before the imposition of the requirement. Uh, uh-huh. I, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I just can't anymore. Like, come on, people. That's an okay thing. Yeah. Well, and so he says, as a consensus, emerging cognitive and developmental research illustrates the inequality of opposing an adult standard on minors when they are interrogated. Although Governor Brown was unprepared to accept uh, SB 1052's attempt to balance the needs of minors and the needs of law enforcement, California, through its legislature, expressed its willingness to follow the path of other states. So I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> like, right. You know, it sounds like they are taking steps of some kind. Like they, there was something in the, I, you know, I didn't put all the legalese in there because I don't understand it, but there was something about the it being overreaching for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why it was like a threat um, for them to include this or to pass this bill, but... And does it like overreaching in the way that God forbid we hold law enforcement accountable, accountable or like Uh, to high standard? I don't know. Protect citizens until they're found guilty. Yeah, I don't, I don't entirely know. know. But at least they said that through its legislature expressed its willingness to follow the path of other states. So, I mean, at least it's brought awareness. Hopefully, Mm -hmm. they're continuing to fight. I mean, that was just what three, four years ago. So, right. Let's get a new governor and try mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one last thing, I found a Facebook page today called Justice for Joseph Hall. Um, 
and there all the posts were from like 2016 except for one i found a post from march 20th that says quote joseph is due for release in the next 12 months still no other information available oh buddy i know i just got chills why because uh, I hope he's doing well. I hope so too. And so he was put into the juvenile detention. He wasn't correct. Put into the group home. No, he was he, he was okay. put into juvie. Yeah, but I mean, it does sound like he started to do well. He was on the mm-hmm. honor roll. He was reading about mm-hmm. Italy. You know, mm-hmm. I, well, when you're that young, mm-hmm. you know, it he doesn't have a whole lot of context. Just like you were saying, just especially because his life was so awful up until that point. Yep. Yep. And he clearly had a drive to do good and be good and like understand. And, you know, he was, he's like too clear, clearly two sides to this poor kid. And, right. you know, but it does seem like his base temperament was just sweet. Like he was just right. a sweet, confused kid. So, you know, I don't, I don't want him to be in juvie, but it does seem like he's making the best of the situation or at least was in the two years after he was sent there. And he's got a supportive grandmother, which is helpful. I don't know if his Mm -hmm. stepmother is still in the picture, but it does seem like he has some level of support. So I just hope the best for you, buddy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's the story of the crazy ass murder of neo-Nazi fuckhead (laughs) Jeff Hall. I am uh, really stressed out in a really good way. That was really good. <laughs> like, I really, I don't think I breathed uh, out the story. Uh, My brow's all furrowed. Yep, <laughs> yep. Well, I started out by looking up. I wanted to do a story about kids who kill because it scares the shit out of me. You know, I'm not a parent because of hot car death and also mm-hmm. teens who murder their parents. <laughs> um, and I started doing a different story and figured out, two thirds of the way through that I wasn't going to be able to get enough information to make it like a well-rounded story. And it weirdly led me to this one, just looking up kids who kill. And I was like, oh yeah, that's not what I was setting out to tell the story of, but Jesus, yeah. man. I'm so uh, glad you did. Thanks. Really, really good. Yeah. I also am so sick of like watching movies where the neo-Nazis just start killing folks. And I like mm-hmm. the idea <laughs> of him getting intercepted uh, by his 10-year-old son. So, wow. yeah. yeah. You know, I was over here thinking about my sweet, sweet little five and a half year old. Oh, my God. Just how impressionable they are. Yeah. And he's on this kick right now where like, Girl, there's girl colors and boys colors uh-huh. and um he was coloring i don't know he asked for a marker and i handed him a purple one the other day and he was like uh mom that i don't want that color and i was like listen <laughs> it doesn't matter girl colors and we're boys, not gonna silly. gender <laughs> our markers kid <laughs> and so then later he was like i i like purple mommy like <laughs> but it's just it makes me think about how you know if it was yeah. They're just, they take it in and parents are so important. Yes. You know, I think especially like up until that age of 10. Yes. You know, peers become more important yep. around then after then. But if my lesson wasn't about gender of colors and it was about yeah hate and murder and yeah more hate and like, I just, yeah. Yeah. It's so easy. I remember sitting on the porch swing with mom and I was probably about 10. And I said, I don't think I'm, I don't think I ever want to marry a black man. Oh boy. And 
I, and now I think I was referring more to the male part than the right. color of a person's skin. <laughs> and mom flipped. Yeah, I bet she did out on me. And I honestly, I have no idea why I said that. Probably seriously, probably because I was thinking about men. Men, like, well, but and, you know, we didn't grow up in the most like racially. Uh, guys, we grew up in the town <laughs> next to the Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Right. Just to give you some context, yeah. yeah there, were... not that that's what we grew up with at, at all, but I'm sure you were hearing things from peers. Good, that that's a really make, good point. You were trying to make sense, of. yeah, and probably trying to relate to, and yeah, right. be, and thank co- God be you cool, had a... like say the thing mm-hmm. that I heard on the bus or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God we have parents that would not for a second under any circumstance no and it's like i honestly think it's about the most mad i've ever had mom get at me and i I like it was like (laughs) stunning her reaction um Uh, i wonder where i was yeah (laughs) hiding from the flames shooting out of her ears (laughs) seriously yep but yeah i mean it's like it's such a vivid memory um and you know obviously i didn't actually mean that well i did again i I wasn't gonna bury a man but Mm um yeah it's (sighs) <sighs> poor kid man yeah. poor poor sweet kid but i did when i first started reading the story i was like oh this might be too sad to tell but then to read that he's actually done well he's actually thriving in the with the structure it does make me feel you know like there's a glimmer of hope like hopefully this kid comes out of this experience with something to give you know and like right. deep empathy because it seems like he's capable of it he just it wasn't fostered in him when he was sure. little yeah, I'm just I'm definitely curious to see where he I know heads. Me too. Here. Yeah. So it seems like within the next year he'll be released. Um this this case was huge. Like there's a lot of reporting on it. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that his release will get some sort of stir and we I mean, you know, the kid deserves his privacy, but I, just out of pure curiosity, it would be nice to know what happened to him. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you folks. go, guys. There you go. Excellent job. Murdered and... Nazis. Doesn't get any yeah. better than that on a <laughs> Wednesday. It's Sunday for us, but Wednesday yeah. for you guys. Hump day. Uh-huh. Hump day special. Um, <laughs> I just got really like angry at you for saying hump day. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get hip to the office lingo, Sadie. God, I haven't worked in an office in like a decade. Right. Um, Yeah. Uh, I got some businesses. Oh, yeah. I love the businesses. Uh, This is totally, I don't know, unrelated to anything. But um, I was talking to my friend Zoe today, and she brought up the fact that Unsolved Mysteries solved, like, she was like, it was like a shit ton of cases. And I looked it up. Unsolved Mysteries solved 393 cases. Wow. Can you believe that shit? No. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I wonder how many cases they covered. But that's crazy. That's a lot that's of cases. That's a lot of cases. <laughs> yes. I mean, but I, I'm sure that we weren't alone, that our parents tuned in to Unsolved Mysteries every week. Like, well, I think that yeah. It was pretty huge, right? Yeah. Back in the day. I mean, mm-hmm. back in the day, there were four stations, so. I guess. Right, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> there were 11 shows, that's, so. <laughs> that's an excellent point. I yeah. Forgot. I totally forgot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I couldn't believe that. Yeah. It was an enormous number. Yeah. Um, well, thanks, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Seriously, thanks. Also, I did a little research on... Uh, my assertion that uh, allergies, like what's the correlation between allergies and mental illness? 
bit when we were talking about this mm-hmm. refers back to Amy Bishop Anderson. Amy Bishop Anderson's case that Sadie so wonderfully covered last week or three days ago, whatever. And I looked it up and shit, yeah, it does. There's a major correlation between allergies and mental illness, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And it does have to do with like inflammation, how the allergies cause inflammation in the body and those then the inflammation triggers these awful things. Just kind of like stress, I think. You know, anything that causes that flare up is not good for you. Um, yeah. It's so interesting. That's something that feels so benign, like allergies. Yeah. Uh, could trigger something so awful yeah 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 and it is kind of like sadie was saying feels very chicken or egg it's like which came first you know like does your do your allergies trigger your mental illness or you have mental illness and then the allergies come along and make it worse or Mm -hmm. you know how does that all work in tandem but it is interesting to know um that that's the case Mm-hmm. we'll leave it to the scientists to decide what how that works <laughs> listen guys so enters your cerebral cortex it uh, inflames your jaggernaut um and one more thing i want to talk about real fast i, I had a bit of a bit had a bummer of a yesterday but i wanted to bring it up because um i had a three-hour panic attack I was good. I was like, oh, I'm going to go home and finish this story. And <laughs> the universe was like, nope. nope. Uh, we're going to release a bunch of anxiety that's been building since the world shut down, apparently. But I, the reason I want to bring it up is because uh, I have a very specific kind of a panic attack. And I didn't know it was a panic attack until like really recently. I've had it my whole life, but I, I seriously, when I was a kid, I thought it was like aliens taking over my brain or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Sadie has them too. It uh, seems less, a little less frequently than I do, but uh, I have a dissociative panic uh, disorder. So when I, when I have a panic attack, I basically, the world turns into a dream for me mm-hmm. and it's utterly terrifying it feels like i'm really high like i can't smoke marijuana because when i do like i can't i just whew, i go away mm-hmm. um and that's what it feels like for me so it's really fucking scary mm-hmm. and overwhelming and very shit sounds weird shit sounds weird i know where yeah. i am like i am aware of what's going on but yeah i feel like i'm in a dream i can't i feel completely dissociated from mm-hmm. the world and myself and my own thoughts i can't really control my thoughts so I just wanted to bring it up because it took me so long to figure out what was wrong with me. And then like once I knew I was able to sort of start to put into place things that would help me get through it or help me avoid it. So if you feel that and you don't know what it is, it is a panic attack. Mm-hmm. I was able to get my doctor to prescribe me Ativan. Um, it took a while because that's not something that people want to prescribe because it's highly addictive. But mm-hmm. luckily it makes me kind of tie tie so i just take <laughs> it's not your party drug no 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 yeah. no i take a i take a quarter of a quarter of a milligram so my, <laughs> my doctor laughs is like that's placebo in fact yeah. i'm like bitch it it's works working. yeah i if i take it soon enough um i can avoid a panic attack yesterday i didn't i was in the shower <laughs> so oh, i started God. to come on and Awful. i just like blasted upstairs like soaking wet and yeah. tried to get in time and i didn't but I also recommend watching television, like put on your favorite show. I tried to watch Say Yes to the Dress and it kind of helped. But then there was like a <laughs> bride who had, uh, she was legally blind. And then I got oh, kind of trapped oh, in this no. fucking spiral of <laughs> like, yeah, hey, it was so anyway, Awful. RuPaul's Drag Race turned out was extremely helpful. 
Yeah. When I had them, uh, when I was younger, I would listen to They Might Be Giants. Yeah. Or, like repeat. That yeah. That really help. But, yeah. Any, yeah. Anything that can kind of take you out of your head. Um, mm-hmm. If you can stop focusing on it, you know, because mm-hmm. if you have anxiety, you know that anxiety feeds itself. And mm-hmm. that's sort of the... I start to think like, what if I never feel normal again mm-hmm. and, you know, horrible things mm-hmm. and then I start spiraling. Yep. Or if you have a sister that you're really close to, mention it to her at some point in your life and then she'll be like, oh my God, I have the same thing. And then you're like, <laughs> okay, so we're either both aliens. <laughs> I Seriously. Or this is something that a lot of people experience. Yeah. It turns out that this is really common. People, yeah. I don't know that they talk about it a lot. Yeah, it's weird how few, how rarely I hear people talk about it. I hear people talk about physical panic attacks, which are fucking mm-hmm. awful. I've had that brand too, but I can honestly say I preferred the physical over the dissociative. Because um, mm-hmm. then at yeah, least I don't do. I haven't had a dissociative one in a very long time. Mine are now physical. Yeah, like I, you know, it's been probably twenty years. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, physical is not fun. But yeah, the... no, but it's totally different, and to me, feels more manageable. Yeah, you can just yeah. like lay down and. Um, take a big fat out of van and feel a little mm-hmm. bit better. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just wanted to bring it up because I, I was actually listening to a podcast like a year ago and somebody on the show was like, uh, I just had the worst experience of my life. Like, what the fuck is this? And he, he explained a dissociative panic attack and he's like, I had to cancel a vacation. Like it was so bad <laughs> yeah. and so traumatizing that he had to cancel a vacation, and go home. And he was like, does anybody else know what this is? How do I, what do I do? You know? And so I actually emailed in and was like, yep, been having it my whole life. And this is, this is what helps. Um, you just got to write it out and keep telling yourself that it's, go- it will go away because it will. Um, and mine lasts like two to three hours, which is really interesting intense um mm-hmm. but i also want to bring that up because sometimes i can get them i can get out of them in like 20 minutes if i hit it just right but um last night's was a three hour one so, so yeah and i was I'm also sorry. like bucks it's saturday <laughs> <laughs> it is not hump day <laughs> this is supposed to be party day i need to save this shit for hump day this is and i'm miserable <laughs> <laughs> the sweetest thing ever did happen though my sweet Edie, who you all know if you watch if you follow her instagram but she climbed up on my lap and she's not a dog who gives kisses and she gave me the four sweetest kisses just like i don't know connecting with me in the most empathetic loving way and i love that dog more than just about anything that's ever come into my life mm-hmm. and that like <laughs> I started sobbing. I was like Aww. coming out of the pan. I was like, <laughs> so she's so sweet. She's such a pile of perfect. She really is. She's magical. So yeah. I'm grateful for that experience to have that moment with my doggy because it was so pretty sweet. profound. Yeah. Aww. But um, well, we can put it out to the listeners too. I think we, we you and I talked earlier that I'm getting a new puppy. Mm-hmm. So I'm, we have uh, our Bernadoodle B who's magical also. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And uh, we, when people ask me her name, they think it's Beatrice. And I say, no, it's B, like B Arthur. So we're trying to decide this puppy's a boy. Should it be named Arthur, like B Arthur? Or should we name it Stanley, like Dorothy from Golden Girls that B Arthur played? Yep. Her ex-husband in Golden <laughs> Girls was named Stanley. <laughs> so we're trying to choose between Arthur and Stanley. I vote Stanley. <laughs> But I am yeah, happy so. to. I'm Anybody happy to relinquish. Opinion, yep. Yeah, we'll put it once we get a pick of the puppy. He's still a little too little, yeah. but once we get a pick of the puppy, we'll put it on Instagram <laughs> and let the let the, the viewers, viewers decide. decide. My my poor husband does not agree with this. So 
He might veto everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of listeners, we got a brilliant suggestion for what to call you guys. I was going to call you creeps. That's what I came up with. (laughs) Killers, creeps. Um, but somebody messaged us today and said we should be you should be called the Echolites. It's so funny, especially (laughs) as like a Leo uh, who has a preoccupation with like cultish religions. I would Mm -hmm. love for you to be our acolytes. I know. know. That's what my, I think it's so funny and so perfect. My personality is like, oh God, it's, that's too uh, self, self important. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But if it doesn't come from us, right? Right. (laughs) And it's funny. I mean, I would hope that people know that. We don't really believe that you're our acolytes, but maybe we do. That's right. If you have any ideas, keep bringing them to yes. us, and we'll, we can put out a poll and, and let you decide yes. ultimately what you want to be called. Yes, and I'm going to put this on Instagram, but I'm going to send her a tote for that suggestion because yeah, fucking awesome, so She's good, been a great fan. She really has. She really has. You all, so many of you have. Mm-hmm. Also, not to be shallow, because you know, of course, I look at our fans when they send us like nice compliments, especially. Um, and say they're like really connecting with the podcast. I want to make sure that we're connecting with the right audience, you know, and kind of understand who our audience is. Um, and y'all are overwhelmingly just so funny and smart. So funny, mm-hmm. which makes me Beautiful. feel so happy. And I was going to say, you're hot. It's like, <laughs> not to be shallow, but you are a good looking bunch mm-hmm. of listeners. It's yeah. like, yeah, we couldn't be more excited. No. Nope growing 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 we feel it we appreciate it so much so much and you can keep it growing by following us on instagram at they will kill also facebook and twitter at they will kill Mm -hmm. uh you can email us and if you do actually you know i wanted to when i was talking about the panic attack stuff if you do want to connect uh, about that or ask questions please by all means Mm -hmm. i mean on anything but you can email us at they will kill podcast at gmail.com uh, you can also find us on our website, which is theywillkill.com. Yep, we are still working to get our Patreon up and running. That should be happening in the next couple of days. Hell yeah. Rate, review, subscribe. Yes. To wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes. Uh, spread the word to your friends. Please. It really makes a difference. Thank you to AJ Bergantz. Yep. For our music. Yep. Uh, I put it on. I I hadn't listened to it just by itself for a while, and I did today, and I was like, "Yeah, man, it's so it's good, so good." <laughs> I think we're gonna post it on our Instagram uh, and Facebook just just the track without our j- jabbering over it because um, so you can all rock out with us. <laughs> yeah, just put it on a weird one minute loop. I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. really special. You nailed yeah. it. You really did. Yep. And remember, um, you know what I want to say is that more is more. I don't know why it's been rattling around in my head today, but I love the idea of more is more. Like we're not in competition with each other and there's room for all of us, especially mm-hmm. as we find like kind of our special thing, um, the things we love and the things we're good at. Mm-hmm. There's room for absolutely. everybody, right? Yep. And I, no, absolutely. I, I really like that. Like when people come up to me and they're like, you know, so-and-so is doing this that's in your field. I'm like, fucking great, man. Mm-hmm. Great. More yep. is more. That's right. There's- as a doula, I... Uh worked in portland oregon as a doula so it's like the mecca of doulas yeah literally and my my lovely mentor uh she always would she called it the spirit of abundance but yeah that was her motto is you build it and they come there's always more room for more yeah and if you try to shut it down then 
that's not helping anybody. So. Shutting your own shit down. So remember mm-hmm. that this week. Yep. Heading off into after hump day. <laughs> <laughs> More is- start releasing them on Thursdays. That's because I hate hump day. <laughs> Yep. Nope. More is more, y'all. There's room for all of you. And we love having you, and we're excited you're here. Yes, we are so excited. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. We'll we'll be back with another episode very soon. Very soon. As long as we're in quarantine, you get extra episodes. So there's one bonus or drawback, depending on what you think (laughs) of our our podcast. That's it. We love you guys. Goodbye. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.